Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. I want to share with you a few words from Scripture as we go into our table time, because I think it's appropriate on Connection Sunday, um, if you can get that slide up, I, I just think it's important on Connection Sunday just to hear something of God's Word that informs why we do this and how we do this thing called loving one another. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says this, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I really love this passage. It always fills me with a prickly sort of sense of wonder, like what does that mean, entertained angels unawares? And, and I'll, I'll, I'm not going to talk very long at all here. I, this may set a speed record here, but I want to say some important things from this passage. And the first is simply from this verse, let brotherly love continue. In the New Living Translation, it says, continue to love each other. In the NIV, it says, keep on loving each other. And the idea here is, loving other people is something that's really easy to forget to do. See, loving ourselves comes naturally and we're diligently about that business every day. But loving other people appears to be something which, in God's opinion, human beings need to be reminded to do on a regular basis. And so I offer that reminder to us as well. This is not something that's just going to happen because we get together Sunday after Sunday. Some of you have been coming to this church for many Sundays, and you're not sure yet if you've actually been loved by this church or if you love this church and its people. It's extremely important. We're intentional. Last week, I was hanging uh, out with a, a pastor friend of mine in New York City. In fact, we even got to see the Letterman show. That's a first for me. Robert Downey Jr. was there. Pretty cool being in the same room with Iron Man. Anyway, we're talking, we're sitting in Central Park talking, and, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, we're talking about church. And it occurred to me why we do Connection Sunday. He was wondering about it. He was kind of fascinated by the idea that I only preach like 10 minutes, and uh, he wanted to know how you can get in on that action. And so <laughs> I was explaining to him the why, and here's why, I think. When it comes to loving God... We not only tell you to love God, but we help you to do it. So much of what happens at church on Sunday is a lot of people preparing all week to help you love God. But then we tell you to love one another, and I'm not sure we always help that to happen. That we create places and times where intentionally we are being called to know and to love one another. I think this church is a pretty loving church. Don't get me wrong. I'm very proud to be a part of this church family. But I realize we do Connection Sunday so that at least one out of every eight Sundays, we're retooling everything to make sure that we're able to love each other and to know one another. And so as we do this, remember that and honor the spirit of why we do this and take the time to really connect to someone else. I also want to focus on the second part which to me is one of the most important measuring rods of the spiritual health of any church or group of Christians. A group of Christians will be known by their love for one another, but I also believe they will be known to be Christ's followers by their love for the strangers among them. 
you don't have to be Christian to love your own tribe. That pretty much comes naturally even to people like the KKK or the Nazi party. They really dug each other. If you ever saw a Nazi party, war, of the footage from that era of a Nazi dinner party, they really had community. It was a sick, twisted community, but it takes no special effort, really, to love your own kind. But I think there's something powerfully Christ-like and unique about the ability to love someone to whom you have no obligation. The stranger that just wanders up to you and says, I have no one, can I have you? And I think it is a unique Christian response because Christ was like that. He would say things like, come to me, everyone who's been whooped by life. Whose butt is sore from all the spanks they've got trying to make it in this world. Come to me. Who wants people like that? Tired, bitter, worn out people. Only Christ wants people like that. When we welcome the stranger into ourselves, we are probably closer to Christ than just about at any other time. And so I preach this in the hope that one of the measuring sticks for this church will be how well we have loved people to whom we owe nothing, who can offer us nothing in exchange. This past week, I finished reading what I don't exaggerate when I say is one of the most powerful books I've read my whole life. It was the narrative of the life, the, uh, the life of Frederick Douglass. If you don't know who he is, he was one, among the most famous escaped slaves during the slavery era in the United States. He became a very outspoken abolitionist. He taught himself to read and write English, and he taught many others also to do the same. And he was gifted with an eloquence as a communicator that was so powerful. As I read the book, it was stirring my heart. I highlighted almost everything and realized what stands out are the white parts. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of a crazy-looking book right now. But when you read this book, the story emerges of the evils of slavery and what it does to the person's humanity. How it leaves them feeling like they are so desolate and completely alone because of their circumstances in this world. And what I saw as the book unfolded was how any small, slight act of kindness will be like a cup of cold water to someone in the desert. I mean, when you read the whole book, it really comes through. Where you're rooting for him, you're thinking, please let him along the road run into someone who is kind. Because Lord knows he's had it rough. Everyone he's known was his enemy. Please let him run into someone who's loving. He finally makes it. He didn't reveal all the details because he did not want to um, make the slave owners any more vigilant or aware of how he escaped. He didn't use the Underground Railroad. In fact, he didn't like it very much. He found his own way to escape. And he finally makes it from slavery in Maryland all the way up to New York. And in New York, he realizes that even though he's in a free state, he's not home free because there are many northerners who want to cash in by returning a fugitive slave to the south and getting the the reward money. And so everywhere he turned, he felt even worse. And this is what he writes. The loneliness overcame me. There I was in the midst of thousands and yet a perfect stranger without home and without friends. In the midst of thousands of my own brethren, children of a common father... And yet I dared not to unfold to any one of them my sad condition. 
The model which I adopted when I started from slavery was this. Trust no man. Does that sound familiar to you? Like anyone you know? Does it sound like you? Feeling like you can't trust anyone, and yet your heart is longing for a kind face or someone who will open up to you. But when he finally started wandering the streets, he heard about these people called abolitionists. When I first heard that word as a kid, I thought they were people who cooked and ate other people. It sounds like almost like cannibalism, abolitionists. But there were people who wanted to set slaves free. And once he heard that, he was intrigued. He sought some out. And, and listen to what he writes to the first abolitionist friend who took him in. Thank heaven I remained but a short time in this distressed situation. I was relieved from it by the humane hand of Mr. David Ruggles, whose vigilance, kindness, and perseverance I shall never forget. I am glad of an opportunity to express as far as words can the love and gratitude I bear him. Do you know what it means to run across your first kind face after a life on the run? Do you have any idea what that does to a person's heart? He then moved on to New Bedford, Massachusetts, where he really settled. He got married, and he and his new bride went to this place, and they found even more friends. He wrote of them, they seemed at once to understand our circumstances and gave us such assurance of their friendliness as put us fully at ease in their presence. He especially writes of special friends he knew named the Johnsons. Both Mr. and Mrs. Johnson took a deep and lively interest in our welfare. They proved themselves quite worthy of the name abolitionists. You can insert Christians in that same place, right? I mean, one of his great heartaches was to see how many masters in the South were Bible study attending church-going deacons and elders, and they would flog their slaves without mercy the following day. We now began to feel a degree of safety and to prepare ourselves for the duties and responsibilities of a life of freedom. What a marvelous testimony. And as I think about that and I compare that to this idea that by loving a stranger, sometimes you may be entertaining angels unawares. Angels are always the, the worldly manifestations of God, avatars where God would come and visit and walk among us just to see really what it looks like from down here. I think it's another way of saying what Jesus already said in Matthew twenty five forty, and I'll end with this. He said, truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. When we're loving the stranger, we are loving God. And there is no special ribbon simply for being tribal and loving our own. We are of Christ, really, when we love those to whom we owe nothing but love. And I pray that everything we do even something as mundane as our new ministry center will be a place, a source, where the love of Christ will richly flow to people who feel just like Frederick Douglass did when he found freedom was not freedom at all. I pray that our church will set a lot of people free through the power of love. Let's pray, and I'm going to dismiss you into your table time. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would press those words down deep into our hearts and then through your Holy Spirit cause them to well up again in our lives as a response to you. We want to love one another and we want to do that well. And we also want to love the strangers among us.
There are people even in this room right now, Lord, who feel totally alone, forsaken. Help us to love one another until it hurts, just like you did for us. Bless now this table time and help us to love each other and to know each other with great joy and enthusiasm. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.